0: Hi, this is Gary Beasley. Welcome to today's podcast for Christ Street Fellowship. We're going to be talking about making God smile by loving his family unreservedly. Every parent knows that there is little in life that brings you the amount of joy you feel when your kids love one another. Our Heavenly Father is the same way. So get ready Learn what it means to love one another and make God smile. once again good morning everybody if you didn't get a copy of your notes they're available in the back so you can make your way back there and get some so you can write things in remember some things and take them home with you today we're concluding our series of messages on making god smile and we've said that you can make god smile you can bring joy to his heart why because he's a person. He's not a force or a power or some kind of cosmic energy. He's a person. Now, by person, we don't mean he has a body like you and I, but he has a personality, which is the definition of a person. He can think, he can choose, and he can feel deeply. And he can feel joy deeply. And we can bring God joy. Isn't that incredible? We, the creation, can bring the creator joy by doing a number of things, by loving him, by serving him. We've talked about all of these things, by giving thanks to him. But we're going to conclude today with this. We can make God smile by loving his family unreservedly. If you're a parent here, you know there's very little in this life that brings you joy, like when your kids love one another. Am I right? I mean, you're having Thanksgiving and your kids love each other. They get along with each other. I mean, that's like, whoa, forget the turkey. I mean, I've been given the greatest present ever. My kids love each other. And it makes you smile. It makes God smile too. Here's what Jesus said in John 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, by your love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know what I find interesting in that? I find it interesting that he actually had to tell us to do it. Because I assume that when you became a Christian, you just naturally loved everybody. But apparently, not so. Jesus said, I command you to do it. And he called it a new command. That's interesting also. Why is it a new command? It wasn't the first time it had been given. It was given way back in Leviticus chapter 19, thousand years or more before. Uh, It says in Leviticus 19, 18, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So it wasn't new in terms of it had never been said before. You see, there are two Greek words for new One Greek word meant new in that it had never existed before, like brand new. That wasn't the word here. The second Greek word for new means new in some quality. New with a distinct difference. new Like new and improved, you'll see advertised someplace. That kind of new. This was that kind of new command. It was new because it would be flowing from a new power, the power of the Holy Spirit. It was new because it was based on the self-sacrificial love that Christ had for us. This wasn't their father's love. This was going to be a new love that the church was going to be filled with, modeled after the love that Jesus had for us. And it was new also because of the word of, We translate love in this verse. Now, in English, we have one word for love. You know what it is? It's love. There you go. And because we only have one word, we have to qualify it constantly. I love you. These are the words every uh, high school boy hates to hear. I love you like a friend. (sighs) But... Somebody had to say that to qualify it because we might assume they loved us like something else. We say, I love pizza. I love the Broncos. I love my wife. And it's the same word. And so it's a little tougher to communicate what we mean by it. But the Greeks were better. They had four words for love. So when you read the word love translated in your New Testament, you got to go back and find out what the Greek word was that's translated love to really understand what kind of love it's talking about. Let me give you the four Greek words for love. The first is the word storge, storge. And sometimes in your Bible, the Greek word storge is there, but it's translated love. And so you don't know that it's storge, but that's the kind of love that it is. And storge love is almost always used in the context of family. It's the kind of love that parents have for their kids. That's storge. It's the kind of love that brothers and sisters and parents and family have. Storge. So they wouldn't say, I love you. They would say, I storge you. And you would get, oh, it's that kind of love. It's the blood is thicker than water kind of love. And interesting. The Scripture says that in Romans 131, when sin starts to just destroy people and sin causes a downward spiral, it finally gets to the place where people don't even have storge love. Now, sin's got to be real bad if we don't even have the natural kind of love that parents have for children, children have for parents. In 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, it says, in the last days people will be lacking storge. It'll be an unnatural kind of world where we don't even love like our family anymore. We've lost even that ability. But that's not the word Jesus used here. He didn't say storge one another. There's a second Greek word for love. It's the word eros, E-R-O-S, eros. We get the word erotic from it it's that kind of love that husbands have for their wives and wives for their husbands that's meant only for them to be shared in the context of a covenant of love that's a pretty special kind of love now that that word is actually never used in the new testament it's never translated love it's never used in the new testament eros but if you want a great example of eros love go back to the old testament read the song of solomon that's eros love the third greek word for love was phileo phileo if you you, do you recognize that word from any place as a, a part of a word philadelphia is the city of phileo phila the city of brotherly love phileo love is brotherly love It's the love that uh, we have for our friends. It's, It's when we say, I like somebody, we really hit it off. It speaks of companionship, sharing, cooperation, and it is translated many times, brotherly love in the Bible. That's not the word Jesus used. He didn't say, I want you to brotherly love others. Actually, he couldn't have said that because brotherly love is something you feel. And you can't command someone to feel something, can you? I command you to feel like love and brotherly love and like that person. You, you can't command a feeling. So the kind of love he commanded wasn't feeling. It wasn't phileo love, me, just me and Taylor being great friends. Nobody can command that. It wasn't Eros love, you can't command that. It wasn't storge love because either you're in the family or not in the family. The kind of love he commanded we have was agape love, agape love. It's the fourth word the Greeks used for love, but they didn't use it very often. But when John wanted to tell us what Jesus meant. He chose agape love. And the early Christians used it all the time. They just made it their word, agape. They had agape feasts, agape dinners. They agape agaped one another because it communicated a different kind of love than brotherly love, than family love, than husband and wife love. It was, it was unconditional love. It was the love that God has for us. It was a love not based on feeling, but based on doing, based on doing. And he could command us to do love even if we didn't feel love. You see, agape love is a choice. I choose to treat you a certain way. That's agape love. I choose to honor you. I choose to be kind to you. I choose to include you, forgive you. That's agape love. And as if they didn't get it, he clarified it. He said, I want you to love one another, agape love, as I have loved you. Whoa, you talk about raising the bar? I'm supposed to agape love you like Jesus loved me. Oh, my. This is not an easy deal this is not like hey slapping you on the back once in a while this is this is big time as i have loved you speaks to the highest standard of love you can possibly have i'm gonna love you like christ loved me oh god you've got to help me to do that that's kind of lay down your life for people kind of love As I have loved you gives us a pattern to follow. Jesus loved in this way. That's the pattern I'm supposed to follow to fulfill the command to love as Christ loved me. Jesus is saying, I've given you the example. I've shown you how to do it. Now you're on. (laughs) Get to work. Spend your lifetime getting better at it. Pray that you can do it. And you know what? The longer you're a Christian, the better you should be at doing this. You see, if you're not growing in your agape love for others, you're not getting more spiritual. You're getting off track someplace. (laughs) If you're not growing in that, you're missing the point. So a pattern to follow. There are three things about the love Jesus had for people that really are what he was talking about in terms of us loving one another. Here's the first. To love like Jesus loved is to love with a love that is undeniable, that nobody can say it's not there. You see, people could debate, and they did debate, many things about Jesus. There was a debate going on about whether he worked miracles by the power of God or by the power of Beelzebub. Isn't that fascinating? He's working miracles, and they're debating, well, that miracle, yeah, he did it, but it was by the power of the devil. No, it was by the power of God. They debated that. There are times in the Scripture where they debated whether or not he broke the Sabbath day. Well, he's breaking the Sabbath. No, he's not. Yes, he is. They debated whether or not he was Elijah or John the Baptist or some other prophet come back from the dead. But one thing, read your New Testament, they never debated was does he really love people or not? It was undeniable. Nobody debated it because it was undeniable. When Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus, you know what they said? Behold how he loved him. When Jesus looked at the rich young ruler who was walking away from him, the scripture says that Jesus loved him. When he did miracles, when he did healings when he served when he taught it was filled with love saturated with love that nobody could ever deny that's my prayer for you that's my prayer for me that when i'm gone that people would not be able to debate did i love that's my prayer i want them to say you know what Gary had a lot of issues in his life. He had more issues than National Geographic. But one thing he did, he loved. Wouldn't you love for that to be the testimony of you? Undeniable. And I'm going to tell you what. This church is filled with people who love and whose love is undeniable. (laughs) It is. Uh, It's true, and we can only grow in it. We can only grow in it. If this love is going to be like the love Jesus gave, it has to be real. It has to be undeniable. It was in the Grace Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana. One of their members, Susie Richmond, Susie Redmond, rather, found out in her 30s that she had a terminal disease, a slow and painful terminal disease that was going to become increasingly debilitating and increasingly, increasingly painful and eventually going to take her life. Her husband Mark knew what that meant. It knew it meant he had years to care for his wife as she progressively got worse, all the while having to work to support her, Susie, and their two children. And in the very beginning, it was bearable. He could do it. He could go to work and then come home and care for the kids and care for his wife. But as the disease progressed, he could no longer do it. And that's when the people of Grace Baptist Church stepped up their game. For the next 12 years until she died, till Susie died in her 40s, Grace Baptist Church in South Bend, Indiana prepared a meal for their family every night for 12 years. They never had to make a meal that night. The whole church took turns and they took turns going to Susie's family and giving these meals. They provided her care during the day. They took turns doing it. When Mark was at work, they took her to appointments and to the swimming pool where she had therapy sessions. The people of Grace Baptist took up money and built a whirlpool to put it in next to her bedroom because it was the hot water that could alleviate her pain. They helped with the mounting medical bills. That kind of love, can you deny that they loved her? Can anybody argue that that church loved that woman? It's agape love. It's love as I have loved you. It's First John 3.18 love. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You might not know this, but that kind of love happens right here a whole lot. You're not privy to all of it but it happens. One of our beautiful church members, Becky Bogart, who's in a wheelchair. You'll see her on Sunday morning when she's here. Uh, has been struggling with a whole lot of things, and she's had painful operations one after another, and she is in rehabilitation a lot. And Joanna will call her on the phone. And Recently, I was listening to the conversation when she was talking to her, and one of our church members was already there with her in the room. Joanna wanted to set up a time to come over, but she was too late. Somebody else was already there just spending time with her, just being her friend, just loving her. Stuff like that happens a lot. And I want it to happen even more. Do you? Amen. To love like Jesus loves is to love with a love that is unselfish. It's undeniable. Man, it's real. But it's also unselfish. You know the kind of love we have a lot of times? Can we get honest? There's some selfishness tied into it. I heard the story this week of a lady who wrote a note to her boyfriend. Now, she had broken up with him a couple of weeks before. She had broken off the engagement. But now a couple weeks later, it seemed like she had a change of heart. So she wrote this note to him. Dearest Jimmy, No words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Jesus taught us to love expecting nothing in return. He taught us to give without blowing a horn or letting our right hand know what our left hand was doing. He practiced that kind of love. He taught about it and he showed it. I want to grow in that kind of love. Do you? I do. There's a third model of this kind of love. It was undeniable. It was unselfish. And it was at the very definition of agape, unconditional. And I would say this is the hardest way to imitate Christ. To love unconditionally? Oh, that's hard. That's a God kind of love. That's a love that I'm going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do. Because, you know, even husbands and wives who make the deepest pledge to love unconditionally struggle with this. They stand up before God and before everybody and said, I'm going to love you in better, for better or worse. This is unconditional. Richer or poorer. That's the definition of unconditional. Sickness and in health. They're saying before the whole world, I'm going to love you unconditionally until death do us part. But shortly after the honeymoon... The conditions come out, do they not? If you don't change that, you're going to get it. If you don't stop doing that, buddy, I'm hitting the road. If you don't, I won't. If you won't, I won't. Wait a minute. Didn't we just a little while ago talk about unconditional, and now we're putting conditions all over it? Yeah, to our shame. We're talking about unconditional love. Jesus modeled it for us. John 3:16: "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Did the world love him back? It did not. John 1:11, He came unto his own, His own received him not, but He loved him anyway. A little girl wrote a letter to God. She said this, "Dear God. I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I could never do it. Signed, Sarah. Only four in the family, and it's hard to love them all unconditionally? Yeah. I got a really annoying brother. (laughs) I got a really annoying uh, sister. Yeah, my dad, he's a bear. That kind of love is a love that God sends. It's a love we are to grow in. It's a love that means being willing to bear with people who aren't beautiful and who annoy us. Is that kind of love worth taking a risk to love with? Yeah, it is. And there's a risk involved in love, isn't there? Sure. C.S. Lewis said this. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. Is that true? Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it around carefully with hobbies and luxuries Avoid all entanglement. Lock it up safe in the casket of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where your heart can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. You can create a hell on earth by just locking your heart away. I want you right now, as we're getting ready to shift gears into our afterglow, I want you right now to picture someone in your life that is a little tough to love. Can you do that? I don't think you have to picture too hard. (laughs) They could be in your family. They could be at work. They might even be, I, I doubt it, but they might even be in church. I don't want you to picture someone who's easy to love. That's phileo love. If they're part of your family, that's storge love. It could be Eros love, husband and wife. I don't want you to picture them. I want you to picture someone who tries your patience, who tests your character, because Jesus loves them just like he loves you. And what Jesus is telling you is to love that person, no matter how they make you feel. And you don't have to feel any kind of thing when you agape love. You have to treat them differently. That's what agape love does. I'm going to treat you differently. He wants you to love them just like he loves them, just like he loves you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can we pray? You have that person pictured in your mind? Let's pray. Lord God. I am asking, we are asking, Lord God, that we grow in love, in agape love, that we love as Christ loved us. God, we're not perfect at it. We fail at it. We are broken people, hurt people hurt people. People often, but God, there's another side to the story. We are born again, people. We are filled with the spirit of God, people. We have Christ within. We can love. We can love. We can grow in love. Lord, the person that you have brought to our mind, we pray that we could grow in love towards them. Almighty God, let us grow in love that's undeniable, that's unconditional. Let us grow in love, God, that's unselfish. And God, let it be that when we leave this world, we hear a well done from you. Well done. You loved well. And Father, we leave behind those who would say, you know what, that person, they sure did love. They sure did love like Christ loved. God, if you answer that prayer, we will be the happiest people. Uh, We will be filled, God, with gratitude. Amen.